Good evening to everyone joining us live on Twitch. I'm Joe, and this is Show Media's Time and Moments in Passing Festival official podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, we're a trio of guys hosting a virtual film festival throughout December. If you missed our first couple of podcasts, not to worry, we're trying our hardest to uh, get them back up on the channel um, so you can catch up. Um, but we have some great films to talk about tonight. If you're joining us on our social media platforms, thanks for following us and supporting us. We had a really great time last night watching Pulp Fiction live with some of our viewers. Uh, we all got pretty merry, and I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that everyone has seen us at our worst now. So expect the next few podcasts to be very casual, uh, but we really appreciate your support. Uh, if you're joining us from our link tree, please make sure you go and check out our social media pages, stay up to date with the festival. You can click our logo as always. I can take you to the links. Uh, and as always, we've got Charlie today. Hello. And we've got Connor. Very hungover. Very hungover. <laughs> Hello, <how's it> <laughs> uh, as I'm always, you can check out our individual letterbox profiles by following our handles there on the screen. And you can see what kind of films we've been watching recently in our free time that may or may not be part of the festival. So as you're aware by now, Shell's a brand new online community. We've got a passion for film. And every day leading up to Christmas, uh, we've been picking films for you to watch at home. And every, every week we go live on Twitch and we're going to be talking about the films that we've seen so far. So tonight we're mainly going to be talking about Blade Runner. That was our film of the day today. But we also have Victoria, Birdman, 1917, and I'm Thinking of Ending Things, uh, all of those films tonight. There's a bit of a theme with them. They were all part of the long take. So that's going to be really fun to talk about. Apart um, from uh, oh, yeah, Blade Runner. Yeah. Ending Things. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Victoria Birdman, 1917, all famous for the long take, all in very different ways. So that'd be good to chat about. Um, but as always, let's start off with a bit of a debate because I've, I've really had fun doing that the past couple of podcasts. So what's tonight's? Yep. Go for it, Connor. I'll be done. Right. Well, today, the, the um, what do I call it a theme? I guess I would. T today, you will be debating. I would each like you to choose a film that either defines, redefines, or started a genre, or played around with genre in an interesting way. Mm -hmm. And you guys will state your cases, and then I guess I'll I'll have the final say, as always. Uh, well, I, I went first last week and won, so I think it's only fair for Charlie. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I've chosen Annie Hall. Uh, it's a controversial... Woody Allen film, uh, which sort of kickstarted the whole like rom-com genre, uh, and just totally made it a success as it is now. Um, Woody Allen plays Woody Allen like he does in every single <laughs> film of his, and it's funny. It's a bit cute. It's just, it's just a bit like heartwarming. You know what I mean? It's I've never film. actually seen Annie Hall before. Oh, you need to watch it, man. It's, it's like, even even though it's Woody Allen, and yeah. you're not allowed to say it's good, it is quite a good film. <laughs> um, it's sort of like, sort of like the awkward male lead as a trope, and sort of really elevated it. Mm -hmm. And you just, um, yeah. It does like, like if you haven't seen it before, I think I feel like some of it will be what you expect, but it'll. It'll do a lot of diff it'll do a lot of interesting things with film that like you may have seen before in other things, but you might not be expecting from this film. I feel like yeah, it does. It has um, it's a bit like uh when Harry met Sally in that way, where like everything sort of references it, and there's loads yeah. of stuff in there that you yeah. you're like, oh, that's where that's from, or like all all the whole tropes around rom com, they're all in there, and it's just yeah. but it sort of did it first. It's like it's good. It's like the I'll have to watch it. Walk. Like not the typical fourth wall breaks always, but there's like oh, some, yeah. some interesting fourth wall breaks. That like class, he the... just brings out a, a guy. They're having an argument, and he just brings out the person they're arguing about, and it's like, is this true? <laughs> and he's yeah. like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> the, um, I was thinking of the subtitles too, where they're having a they're having a conversation, but the subtitles are saying what they really mean. Oh and, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. They're yeah, trying yeah. to gloss over and what you know what they're actually saying. He does yeah. a lot of that in um, oh, is it Love and Death? I think another Woody Allen film. Right. It's okay. very like Monty Python esque, and it's just crazy. That's that's like purely comedy, but yeah, yeah, he's just he's classic doing that sort of stuff. That's just yeah. it's not like like burst your belly laughing, but it's like it's just 
a nice laugh. Like mm-hmm. it's a good yeah. time. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good choice because I'm Annie Hall is one of my favourite films. So you're gonna have to come up with something good, Joe, to uh I'm just saying. Oof, okay. <laughs> well I, I chose Alien and probably not for the obvious reason of it being sort of one of the early body horror films of, of modern Hollywood. Because we had body horror sort of in the forties and the fifties because you had like invasion of the body snatchers and all of that kind yeah. of stuff. So I'm not trying to make an argument that Alien started the body horror. I'm actually, I want to talk about it from a point of view of strong female leads and so heroines and uh, feminism. So I think um, Ridley Scott argued for a really long time with the execs of the the production company that uh, Ripley was going to be played by a woman. And all the execs, uh, when they read the script, they wanted, they, they imagined Ripley being a man. So first of all, we get an amazing performance by Sigourney Weaver. And really, before her, there is no... Well, there isn't. I would say there isn't a pop culture heroine before Ripley. Because this was, what, 1979? Uh, and it was yeah. the first time where you know it was, a, it was a solo female lead in something that was full of action and suspense. And she wasn't a damsel in distress. She was... She was kick ass. You know, it's Ripley. When you think of Ripley, you just think, you know, badass, like 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also, not just in the strong female leads, but also in the nuances of the, the, the elements of horror in Alien make a really compelling feminist argument. Um, I mean, first of all, all of the kind of sexual and phallic references in the sort of the biology of the life cycle of the alien. Yeah. Uh, most interestingly, in order for the aliens, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Alien, by the way, um, <laughs> what have you been doing, basically? <laughs> you haven't seen Annie Hall, what have you been doing? I know, sorry. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> well, yeah, major spoilers out there. One of the main characters in Alien, in order to kickstart the film and, and, and give birth to this extraterrestrial creature, um, one of the characters, one of the space crew, Kane, has has to die. He, he, the, the alien gets born out of his chest in, in the very famous chestburster scene. But interestingly, before that, the way that the egg gets laid inside of him is is because his face is attacked by this spider-like creature, this face hugger. Yeah. And it's really quite a coded representation, a coded sort of allegory for rape. Uh, you know, and and then is that it, also that bit with the. Uh... The magazine. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So, later on. Yeah. He does it to Ripley, doesn't he? Yeah. So, Ash, um, yeah, Ash, who is the, uh, in a plot twist in the film, turns out that he's actually an android working for the Wayland Utani Corporation. Yeah. And, uh, and he attacks Ripley and folds up a magazine, which happens also to be a pornography magazine. It's like a Playboy, a futuristic Playboy magazine. Uh, and rolls it up and and tries to put it in her mouth and choke her with it. So there's a, there's all these there's all these um, moments where you know it's very clearly rape, even though it's it's not, but it's definitely that imagery that that rape imagery. Uh, and I think obviously the most the biggest one for me is obviously the chest burster scene where Kane Kane gets ripped apart and the alien is born. And I think that's supposed to be this huge allegory for how so many women have died in childbirth you know they've had to die in order for their children to be born before sort of modern medicine really took over and and helped so for me when i watch alien uh, you know if if you're not a massive sci-fi fan and if you're not a massive horror fan watching alien for the first time you just think it's this grotesque you know uh, film with no depth uh and i guess you know cool female lead but to me it's kick-ass female lead fighting this almost this uh, summation of of fe- like uh the patriarchy and and um like rape and all of that and it's it's really fascinating study to look at alien from is, a, from isn't a, like the whole thing uh is it in the second one it might be in the second one where ripley um has to get back to her kid is that in the second one yes yeah and then, because then she has to fight the alien to regain her motherhood, is, is the idea in that, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, got, yeah. so those themes were, were considered by James Cameron and definitely went through onto the second film. 
But yeah. it's the cat, isn't it? The cat's in the second one, isn't it? That's the first one. Oh, is it the first yeah. one? Because yeah. she, she like sort of the the Protects cat represents the cat. Yeah. a child. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, to me, just there's there's the obvious feminism of Alien being the strong female lead, but then there's also, in my opinion, the more nuanced. Um, uh, subtle feminism in in the production design of the alien and also uh in in all the execution of the horror elements which you know it, essentially there was nothing new about alien in terms of body horror sci-fi but the to inject it all with more sort of modern ideas of, of feminism really brought it to life and i think that's what makes it so iconic so i would that's what i'm gonna say i'm gonna say alien really okay. yeah Oh, sorry, go on. No, you could argue that um, Diane Keaton is in Annie Hall mm. is like a very feminist figure as well. Yeah, in, I know you can't, film. you can't, <laughs> you can't hop on my. <laughs> if it's, uh, yeah, they're very similar. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, that's a f- very uh, strong female character mm-hmm. in in that film. Mm-hmm. Can I get, can I can I say a little bit a, a small trivia thing about Alien? Absolutely. It was it was for a lot of it. It was pitched to um i'm not sure who pitched it first but it was pitched as jaws in space which is like the best <laughs> pitch ever. that's, that's meant yeah kind of makes um, sense really okay. yeah so i've got to decide now and i love these two films um, <laughs> i think i'm gonna have to go with and I'm doing a little bit of suspense to, you know. Drum roll, please. Um, drum roll, please. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Joe and Alien. Oh, I because I think because you came at it from an angle I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. And I just like, I mean, I'd agree with everything that both of you said. And I, but I just, I, I like the different angle that you came in with. So I'm going to have to say Joe and Alien. Thank you very much. Of course. Yeah. Very, very well argued though, Charlie. Very well argued. <laughs> Although I really, I you've definitely sold Annie Hall to me. I'm I'm gonna get on that as soon as I can. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, it's a good film. Well, there we go. That wraps up our weekly debate. Charlie, do you have any um, ratings this week from Letterbox, or are we moving on to talk about Blade? I've got I've got some ratings. Yeah, I've forgotten. I might have done some of these last week. You'll I'll, I'll let me know if I've said it okay. before. Um, let's go. La La Land. Did you do that one? No, I don't think, think we did. No. Okay, so someone's rated it one star. Oh, that's definitely me. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's definitely me. <laughs> Mental. <laughs> I don't think it's that bad. George, you want me to give, justify it? I, I like. Yeah. I know it's not. It's not amazing. Yeah, I understand. It, it, I, I don't like it that much. Can I? Can I? Can I guess at why you've given it? Can I guess at why you've given it one star? Go on then. Yeah, I'd be interested. Because in there, it. there is one thing. There is one big thing that kind of. Stops it from being five star for me, and it's there's, there's a white guy explaining jazz in the film, which is just uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you've got the very yeah the very obvious um, <laughs> Hollywood casting there, which really annoyed. And I, for the record, I love Ryan Gosling. I think he's a fantastic yeah. actor. I don't think yeah. he was right for La La Land. Uh, what yeah. like Emma Stone drives me mad and looks like a Persian cat, so <laughs> I just can't I can't get behind her performances quite a lot of the time. Uh, something that I want to talk about in Birdman as well. When we talk about that, See, I, I I rate Emma Stone. I think she's pretty sound. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah. Why else? Why else? There was such anticipation about this film, not only because it was supposed to be this kind of harkening back to the golden age of Hollywood, but there was also yeah. quite a lot of anticipation around it because Damien Chazelle, such a young actor, and this is his second film, and his first film was the amazing whiplash yeah yeah. Uh, and and that's one of my favorite films and that got jazz so right and and in terms of a a film about music it was really captivating and um jk simmons in the film you know all of his awards were so well deserved and it really put him back on the map as well Uh, and he's gone on to do some really good things since and so there, I was so excited for La La Land I expected it to be as inventive and as creative but to me I just I think I think maybe the studio execs were were putting maybe a lot of pressure on Damien Chazelle's sophomore outing yeah um and probably yeah. had they probably gave him a lot of freedom in Whiplash because maybe they didn't know which way it was going to go yeah being a being a directorial debut and then obviously I think 
the success of Whiplash led to the execs probably saying, okay, we want to do this with the film and do that with the film. So I don't think there's yeah. a lot of creative choice with La La Land. And the film, to me, I just I didn't know what it was trying to get at. Was it trying to be a musical? Was it trying to be a meta a commentary on Hollywood and how, how it sucks to try and make it as an actor? Yeah. Was it trying to be a romance? Was it, you know, trying to be this kind of melodrama? I just, I didn't know. And every time it got close to being a certain genre, the next scene would completely up. ruin it yeah. and then go a different yeah. direction. And I just, I didn't like the ending. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> right. We'll go um, Forbidden Planet uh, 2.5. Ooh, I don't think I've seen I that. Yeah, I think that was me because I think I watched it at the start of last year. Yeah, it was you kind of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just it was. Just, it's a proper shit B movie. I get that, but <laughs> no, that's the thing. No, that's the thing. I don't think it. I don't really think it is a crap B movie. I just think that like it. It's one of those films where I thought it had a lot of potential to like really, really blow me away. And mm. I, I know I'm looking at it now, and maybe at the time it was a lot more groundbreaking, but. It it delve into like this kind of psychological aspect in the film and stuff, but it didn't it didn't do it enough for me. It sort of just half heartedly went in that direction, so I just couldn't I couldn't really nothing really resonated with me about about Fair. that film. So I guess mm-hmm. that's why I did that. Uh, should we do one more? Yeah, yeah. Go on. Uh, yesterday, two point five. I'm gonna say that to you because I remember you saying that you didn't like it as much. As I thought you would. I'm gonna say it might be me because I think the fact that you're a bigger fan of the Beatles than me, Chaz, might mean that you rate it a little bit higher. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. Ah. Yeah, yeah. I don't okay. know why I, was I, I right don't know why I rated that actually. Yeah, I, it's it's all right that film, isn't it? Like it's just yeah, it's a bit cringy and it's just a bit like oh. It's it's another film where like the premise is like. Yeah, like oh, it's a really cool it. premise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, went, I went to see it because of the premise, and then again, it just had a wasted potential. Like, one, also what it with one sort of well, not one moment in the film, but one little storyline in the film. There's those, there's those people who know. This is kind of a minor spoiler if you haven't seen it. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's those two people that know that he's stealing the Beatles songs. Yeah, and they like turn up at one gig, two gigs, or whatever, and it like builds this tension, and then. It's just played off as a joke. Oh, it's so shit! That bit really like, annoyed me. Yeah, it's like you can't, you can't have this thing that is like one of the only real sources of tension in the film, and then it's just be a joke. Yeah. And then you just play it off as a joke, and I was like, right, okay, well, this is like taking a star off my rating already. I'm sorry, but yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the bit I was like, found a bit cool, but also a bit like really cringed me out was the John Lennon bit. Oh, okay. And I was like, it's quite cool, but oh, just it. They could have actually got like Paul or Ringo to actually play it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Want it to play themselves in it. It would have been mint. Yeah. yeah. But they didn't. They've just like got a knockoff John Lennon. Like. <laughs> well, I mean, it was Robert Carlyle. I thought it was okay, but I do know what you mean. Like, they might, yeah. might not just get one of the Beatles themselves. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. at least ask them. I don't know if they, maybe they did, but yeah. yeah. That's that one. There you go. <laughs> Can we have one more for good luck? Do you have one more? <laughs> yeah, I got one more. Yeah. 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 I'm really getting into it now. I'm getting into it. Um, Unfriended Dark Web, two point five. Oh, that's kind. <laughs> I, I, I won't say anything because I don't want to spoil that, it. That won't be me. It's got to be Chaz then because I haven't yeah. seen that film. Yeah, it's me. Yeah, <laughs> two point five. That's generous. It is generous, but yeah. it's, it's so. Do you know? What I think it was because it's, it's so much better than the first one. Mm-hmm. And I just because the first one is absolute trash. It's like. <laughs> It's... I can't believe that you watch the first one, you think it's trash, and then you watch the second one as well. <laughs> <laughs> They're a bit guilty pleasures, like me, me oh, so no. phenomenal, like to watch them. It's just, <laughs> this it's is trash. So I'm going to watch the second one. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, know, I do know what you mean. To be yeah. fair, you say if the, the... Room, the Room 2 came out, you wouldn't watch it. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. But that's, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's become hyper trash. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is that. This is a bit like that. That's okay. As long, I mean, I can't really argue with uh, you know watching it as a guilty pleasure because I think I've given all the Transformers films at least a five or a six. So, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think um, it's the hamster, isn't it, in that as well when he's <laughs> over the screen. Yeah, it's <laughs> such a good shot. <laughs> well, I think we've established that Charlie really likes trash horror. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this week, um, some really good films that we've had. Uh, we had I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which is on Netflix at the moment. And then we had our trilogy of long shot films, Victoria, Birdman, and 1917. It's going to be really good to talk about those in a sec. But Blade Runner, that's our film of the day. Um, yeah. Quite a big one as yeah. well. Um, lots to talk about. Does anyone want to boy. start? Uh, I, the first thing okay. I'll say is, the first thing I'll say is, have we all seen the same cut of this film? I've, which cuts have we seen <laughs> of the film? I, yeah. I've not. Which one did I see with you, Joe? Uh, that would have been the final cut with me for two thousand and seven. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, that one. Um, that's. I think that, that's definitely the one that I've watched the most recently. For yeah. This, but I think that's the only one I've actually seen. So yeah. Okay. I'm just like, so, just yeah. like, what are the differences? Like, is is it massive or not? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's um. So, Sorry, go on, Connor. Yeah, you, you explain. Well, uh, the only thing that I know that's different is I know that the, the theatrical cut of the film, um, the I don't know which producers or whatever, but someone involved in the production thought that the film needed a voiceover to mm. explain some of the more, so, you know, kind of just explain some of the subtext and things just to, yeah. you know, just to get rid of any 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 poetry in the film whatsoever. <laughs> right, and, okay. Um, if there's a rather because, bad Harrison, because Harrison Ford voiceover. Yeah, because Harrison, you can just tell that Harrison Ford doesn't want to do it because he just knows he just knows that it's the wrong decision, so he just completely phones it in, basically. Yeah, it's, right, it's a very okay. monotone voiceover performance. <laughs> so, yeah. was that the theatrical version? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. And it actually scored really badly with test audiences as well. Um, there's all there's oh, right. so many different cuts. I think there's about seven cuts in total. Is it like a apocalypse now like that level of it's cuts. worse than like, that it's it does more. right yeah i think i think there is a blu-ray box set out there in the wild in which you can own all seven cuts wow, uh, across, seven. across like five discs <laughs> yeah mental um i think obviously the one that people are most familiar with now is is the final cut from 2007 which i would argue yeah. is is very definitive and much improved over the other ones yeah, yeah. Um, I think even so there, there's an alternate ending as well in a few of the cuts in which Deckard and Rachel are in a car like a normal car as well not even like a city hover car they're in a normal right. one and they're driving into the countryside and the countryside is beautiful it's like green uh, yeah. lush green trees yeah. everywhere and, and and it just completely takes you out of, of the film and uh, the, I think there's another alternate ending where they do the similar thing and they're on a train leaving San <laughs> Angeles, uh, wow. California. And again, it's it, the whole film is so gritty and dark and neo-noir. And then that's such a jarring Get ending. Get thing at the end, yeah. 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 Um, like and then couple that, couple that with some really questionable voiceover. Uh, and yeah, it, it really ruined it for me. So I'm really glad that's not in the final cut. Um, one other thing, one other thing I'd say is the color grading is different as well. Yes, yeah, right. Well. Okay. There's a lot so of it, gives it, it gives it a very different tone as well. The the color grading in the final cut. And there's just some just really cheesy, executed things in some of the different cuts. Like something as small as the logo in the final cut. It's just a nice soundtrack, nice and eerie. The the logo just appears and fades in in a nice font. But in the yeah. original work print cut. The, the title screen for the film is really different. The words Blade Runner slide into the screen from the left, like accompanied by the sound of knives. And it's, <laughs> wow, it's wow. really bad. Um, yeah. uh, and things like the opening shot, it doesn't include the famous close-up of the eye. It simply right. cuts closer and closer to the Tyrell building. And to me, the, the eye is such a breathtaking iconic, yeah. uh, iconic and, and really related to our, our theme I would say like that that moment in passing you know something as simple as a blink or an eye flicker yeah. it's yeah. to hold that in in stasis and, and and have the audience fix on that for quite a while is it's one way to start your film let's say that yeah it reminds me of uh, the end in 2001 you know when he's going through the mm. yeah. The, yeah, yeah that the, the monolith and that yeah yeah so I've got a little fun um, game to play. Um, I obviously throughout the film, there's a, a hints as to whether Deckard is an android or not, and I thought I'd catch you guys off guard and debate, get you to debate over whether you think Deckard is 
real or not a real human or whether he's a replicant. And obviously, we're going to base it off of the final cut in 2007 because that's the one that we've all seen. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. I, I will say that some of the other cuts do hint like or lean in a very specific way, but the 2007 final cut is very, very ambiguous. So, yeah. Connor. Okay. Take the floor. Are we, um, we're ignoring uh, 2049 as well, aren't we? We're saying. I, I think, I think, yeah, I think if we're looking at yeah, Blade Runner yeah, isolated. Cause... It makes sense. Yeah, because yeah, otherwise it's not as it's not ambiguous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, right. So, I'm arguing that he is he is a replicant. Deckard is replicant. Okay. And the strongest piece of evidence I have is that he has this dream of like a dense forest, and there's a unicorn. Um, it's just it's literally just a unicorn um, mm-hmm. galloping through this forest, and this is like a recurring dream that he has. And I cannot remember his partner in the film, but his partner in the film um, gives him an origami, um, like the, you know the classic silver origami unicorn. Yeah. And Deckard doesn't tell this dream to anyone in the film throughout the film, and we know that replicants are not not physically injected, but they're injected with fake memories, aren't they? So for someone else to know some kind of memory or dream that he's having without him sharing it, and something so specific as well as a unicorn, I think that indicates to me that he's a replicant. That would mm. be the strongest piece of evidence for me. So I'm, that, for that reason, that maybe even that reason alone, I'm saying that he's a replicant. Okay. Alright, so I would say he is, isn't a replicant. Okay. It's a good it's a good job that you're going to say that, otherwise it'd be... <laughs> yeah, it's a really, yeah. I've not been forced into that position at all. Because um, <laughs> uh, he, he can love, and I don't think a machine can love. Oh, philosophical. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go down that route. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose if we're talking about it in terms of isolating Blade Runner away from its sequel, then yeah. yes, but obviously the sequel leans into the fact that Rachel being a replicant gave birth and that Deckard loved her regardless. Yeah. So right. I think if replicants can have children. But we're ignoring the next film, aren't I we? know. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think looking from, yeah, that's a good argument if we're looking at just Blade Runner. Because isn't that that whole thing at the end with the the guy with white hair mm. when it's raining on the rooftop? Mm. Yeah, doesn't he say a lot about love? I've forgotten what the speech is, but oh yeah, very the very famous. Um, it's in the soundtrack, name. isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh, like yeah. tears in rain. Yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Quick shout out to Rutger Heyer for his performance. <laughs> quick shout out if you watch. Yeah, if you watch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a bit awkward because he died last year, but. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. oh, shit. Yeah. But his performance in that and I think he actually in, in later years reflected on Blade Runners being his his proudest performance. Yeah. He really liked that. And most of the famous monologue that he gives at the end is actually improvised. Yeah. Which cool. is just awesome. Uh it's a great it's a great quote. Like Tears in Rain, and that actually it gets used as a soundtrack for twenty forty nine. Yeah. Later on. I'd say I'd say that that monologue alone justifies us using it in time and moments in passing because that's mm. literally what his monologue's about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Passing. I I think I'm gonna side with with Chaz and say that he he's human. Oh, okay. But finally got a point. <laughs> <laughs> I finally won a debate. Purely, I think purely for the fact that I I think his performance leads him in a more human direction. Uh, his hesitation and his—I just—I can't get behind that he was made. I, th- I think I think the film leans into this idea that you know humans and replicants, that the replicants can be seen as human as their human counterparts. Yeah, and I think that's the argument I want to believe in. That um, the whole the whole point of Blade Runner is that. We can't tell replicants apart from humans, and the argument there is, well, should we have to? Like, why do we have to? They, they, yeah. they could be just as real as as you and I. And I think, I think Deckard doesn't care that Rachel's a replicant. He he yeah. he loves her. Um, so, okay, well now yeah. you've just now you've justified it. I'm not seething with rage anymore. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what a what a great film. Um, yeah. And of course. 
I would say, you know, such an intellectual property that, that really shouldn't have had a sequel, but was really expertly pulled off. Yeah, the yeah. sequel is good. Yeah, yeah I yes. when it was first announced, uh, everyone was just so outraged. You know, you can't touch Blade Runner with a 10-foot barge pole, really. It's perfect, but Denis Villeneuve did such a great job, and it's only really cemented him in my mind as, as a director to to look out for especially with his adaptation of dune coming up whenever it gets yeah. to come and, out and uh well you could say we could say it now the film for tomorrow is one of his isn't it there we go yeah. Arrival. so yeah it's tomorrow's arrival. film of the day arrival yeah. uh actually it's my favorite villain new film nice yeah i'm yeah. really i'm gonna try and get people to watch it here tomorrow with me yeah because i've you know, watched it ages ago and yeah. i like, it's very like vague in my mind what happened in it so that'd be nice to yeah. watch it fresh if listeners just... uh get a chance there there's um, a great youtube channel called nerd writer and he's done he did an amazing uh sorry to sidetrack from blade runner but he did an amazing video essay on arrival and how it um it's editing and it's pacing and structure are really sort of like films within films so it's it's a very good very good video essay so check that out if you can Connor, what were you going to say? I was literally just going to say that I haven't seen a, a Denis Villeneuve film that I haven't liked. Mm. And um, I still feel like it's such an injustice that Sicario was like, it was just um, marketed as like this run of the mill action film, and it was so much more than that. Like, mm. that that's another great film. So I'd say that. I've not seen it. Yeah. Um, there you go. There's another one to watch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sicario, um, Prisoners as well. Oh, what a good film. Yeah, he did that, didn't he? What a that's good really film. good. Yeah, anyway, we're getting, we're getting sidetracked, aren't we? Blade <laughs> Runner, Bridgie Scott, what a, what a good director. Um, <laughs> My guy. In, uh, now I'm thinking about it, interesting to think about Alien again, um, being such a strong feminist, uh, you know, having these strong feminist vibes. Blade Runner being, you know, the, the, the femme fatale and being a replicant as well. What, what do you think about that? Because it's from from Ridley Scott, who did Alien as well. So I'm I'm curious as to why he felt so strongly, like only three years after doing Alien, to going back to having such a a male centric performance and and film. Yeah, I wonder what. Um... Well, isn't it based off? Uh... Philip K. Dick, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but obviously, there, that there is... There's no reason to change that. Yeah, but I mean... But if, it, if the story works, why change it? Yeah, I guess so. I guess uh, so. Um, especially if you're adapting it. Mm-hmm. If, he, if he'd written it, I can I can see, like, yeah, all right, why did he do that? Mm-hmm. But if you're adapting it, then it's a bit, a bit harder to really change it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, fun fact, Ridley Scott really wanted Harrison Ford to keep his luscious Han Solo hair for the <laughs> film. But um, uh, he famously hated the you know the sort of the medium locks that he had in Star Wars, and one day before principal photography started, Harrison Ford cut his hair. Oh wow! So we get that sort of really bad uneven haircut that you see all the way out through the film. I like it as well. It's different. Yeah, yeah. Um, Goes with the vibe of the film. Yeah, definitely. I can't really imagine him with his hands. So I think it would have been too like like too distracting because. When I see Harrison yeah. Ford with that haircut, it's iconic. Yeah, it's Han Solo. Isn't it? Yeah, it's like it's like the it's like Rachel what's Han Solo doing in Blade Runner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's a crossover episode. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he cut his hair one day before principal photography started, which I think would have uh, been very would have turned a few heads. It's mental how that little change would have mm-hmm. totally like yeah. made it a different film. Really, well, not a different film, but like. It would have changed the whole vibe of it, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think Especially... I think that really sums up Blade Runner a lot because there's there was one tiny change to a lot of the things in the film can uh, ruin it really. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. the voiceover and and stuff like that. I'd say especially the fact that um, didn't it come out the same year as Empire Strikes Back as well? Like, uh, I think Return of the Jedi. Oh yeah, right. Empire Strikes Back was nineteen eighty. This was eighty two. Oh, was it 82? Yeah. I this was, yeah. yeah, 1982. Oh man, Harrison Ford was like hot property then, man. I mean, it's oh, yeah. but you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
a bit of good trivia here for you. Um, the studio wasn't happy, obviously, with the original final ending where uh, Rick Deckard is looking at the piece of origami, leaves his building with Rachel and uh, the end of the theatrical. Obviously, it's uh, Deckard's voiceover about Rachel. There's uh, used over helicopter footage from the opening scene of The Shining. So when they're oh, driving wow. through the countryside, yeah, Stanley Kubrick oh, was contacted right. and being a fan of Alien, he happily gifted it on the condition that uh, only shots that um, were not used in The Shining uh, could be used. And since there was so mm -hmm. much footage, which, you know, Kubrick was notorious for reshooting. Yeah. You know, I think a uh, thing in The Shining that he got Shelley Duvall to do the famous uh, bat scene up the staircase something ridiculous like 130 times yeah um so yeah he had so much footage of just the helicopter flying through the colorado hills uh so he, yeah he gave it to ready scott to use it for his really weird cool. theatrical ending to blade runner <laughs> yeah so there we go what else did we have this week this uh, we had victoria victoria what a film what a film have you seen it connor <laughs> well, mate, I'll, mate, I'll, uh, I'll confess that instead of, instead of watching Victoria, I watched uh, the the Muppets Christmas Carol. Uh, that's all right. Um, we'll just dock it from your pay. Yeah. <laughs> and my, wait, you guys are getting paid. <laughs> and my justification is that it is also a film about time and moments in passing. That's all I'll say. Go on then, justify <laughs> yourself. Well, I mean, it's Christmas past, present, and future, so <laughs> it's, it's, it's inherently about time and a man's whole man changes throughout it. Who'd have yeah. thought that the Muppets would be so deep? Yeah. It really is. <laughs> it's really good. Like, rewatching it, it, was, it is a really good film. Anyway, we're not talking about that film, so... <laughs> uh, yeah, I Save guess, that for the Christmas episode. I guess that just leaves uh, Charlie and I to talk about Victoria. Uh, I know, actually, I watched this film because of you, Chaz. You, oh really? Yeah, you. I remember you got me onto it, and I'm really glad you did because it became one of my favorite films, and I'm really glad that it's it's part of the festival. That it's just oh, I, I love it. It's such yeah. a good film, like insane. They, um, I got trivia about this. Oh, okay. They um, like I don't know. You might know it actually. Yeah. But obviously, so that the whole the whole film is one take for those that yes. don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it starts at like she's leaving a club. And then it runs the whole time. You, we move with them through their story uh, in real time. Uh, and obviously that's very, very expensive to do that on yeah. a production to, to to be doing that. What, two hours, I think the film is? Um, uh, yeah, it's like two hours and 18 minutes. It's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. To, and it's set in like the middle of Berlin. So mm -hmm. to do that, <laughs> like in the middle of Berlin, it's probably a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, so they had enough in their budget to do three takes. That's, so that's all they did of the film was three takes and they finally got it on the last take mm. the other two they messed them up yeah i think i remember reading on the second attempt they got to the final shootout scene and something went right. wrong so they come two hours into the film they had like 18 minutes left and it's and then like, they messed it up and they had to start it again the next week it'd be awful wouldn't it like to be the person that messed that up mm -hmm. it's just um but it's interesting yeah. you say that because there was a massive mistake in the in the third attempt, but it oh, right. you don't you can't see it thankfully. Um, so in the scene right after the bank robbery, uh, the actress who plays the main who plays you know Victoria, she yeah. actually forgot where to drive and she took the wrong turn. And oh, ev wow. everyone just had this massive outburst of panic in the car, uh, and it's completely genuine. Is that why they're like? Oh yeah. no! Go right! Go right! Yeah, oh, yeah. That's right. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they, they, you know they were risking everything. They were risking filming crew members and ruining the whole yeah. movie. So, and even the the director is in the car with them, but he's he's in the trunk of the car, right in the back. Right. And he started screaming directions in sheer panic, uh, yeah. and so his screaming had to be removed during audio editing. Wow. Um, and the car actually does end up driving past some crew members, but. Thankfully, none of them can be seen thanks to the cameraman because that cameraman is the MVP of that film. <laughs> he is so good. Yeah. He, he saw must have the... taken so much like, stamina to do that whole film. Oh, absolutely. Like... But also just his reaction time because the car actually ended up driving past some crew members, but none of them can be seen because the cameraman reacted so quickly 
by filming from a much right. lower angle in the car so that uh, thankfully none of the windows were in the frame whilst she was driving down the wrong street. Right. So, yeah, real MVP of that film. There's, um, also, you know, when uh, I, was, I was watching an interview the other day mm-hmm. after I watched it, and, uh, you know, when they go to the club the second time, mm-hmm. Victoria just, like, runs off, like, halfway through. Yeah. And because um, she needed a toilet. Right. So she, like, but there isn't, that isn't actually a club. It's just a set. Yeah, yeah. So there wasn't a toilet there. So she just, like, went out and, like, <laughs> had a piss on the street. No and way. then just came back in. Yeah, apparently. That's crazy. <laughs> she was like, I can't hold it anymore. I'm going to have to go. Yeah. And just ran off and did it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I've got to say, I, I, in in terms of our theme for the festival, it really captured time and, and, and moments in passing for me because... I don't know about you, Chas, but I couldn't breathe for the whole film. There was something no. about the camera not changing at all, and and I think you know when we in a minute we'll, we'll talk about uh, very quickly we'll compare it to Birdman in 1917. Those films, if you didn't know, they are also shot in one take, but it's actually well, yeah. lots of different like takes edited together. Pseudo one take films, yeah. aren't they? So right, Birdman yeah. and 1917 utilize some uh, pretty impressive, but you know cheap uh cgi you know it's it's invisible editing yeah it's invisible editing um and so when i'm watching those films i don't feel as sort of claustrophobic or anxious but man victoria i i I couldn't breathe my 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 chest was tight and uh i remember just when the credits started rolling just this huge just sigh of relief coming over me it's like from the very first shot though like yeah even though you're like oh you're just thrown into the world mm-hmm. and you don't really know. Yeah. What, I've never you know, been what, so engrossed in a film. Yeah. Uh, I don't like, think. you know, you don't know what's going to happen at the yeah. end or anything. You, you don't know where, where it's going when you first start and you're just like, yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Well, I'm in this now. And yeah. And yeah, I, I remember incredible. being so scared of the police. I remember like feeling the fear of the characters because it, yeah. it, it was, it was like, it was like I'd recorded the whole thing on my phone and then watched it back. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah, it yeah. was crazy. Um, so yeah, that 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 stayed with me for such a long time. And sometimes I can't bring myself to watch it again because <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to go through all of that catharsis. It's stress, isn't it's it? Stre- yeah. It's it's a very very stressful film to watch. Absolutely. On the uh, the thing of editing, I we're rewatching it and it's got the really good soundtrack by Nils Fram. Yeah. Which everyone should listen to it. It's mint. <laughs> um, but I. I the music in it sort of works like an edit. Mm-hmm. So when, when the music comes in, everything else, all the, the audio from the diegetic audio from the street or whatever, yeah. it like silences and you just get the, the music on its own. So this sort of works as an edit editing device yeah. on its own, the music, which is really cool. It sort of segments the film in, in a different way, which is nice. Yeah, it's, sounds, uh... like sounds like I might have to watch this film. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. might have to. Then, then you'll finally get your pay. <laughs> Yeah. Um, one final thing about Victoria before we quickly move on and talk about Birdman in 1917. Um, bit of outrage here for you, Chaz. Victoria was actually uh, refused a nomination for uh, Best Film because oh, right. uh, Best Foreign Film, sorry. Because uh, obviously, the, uh, the you'd, yeah, you'd think it would be nominated for Best Foreign Film, and uh, you know, rightly so. And the yeah. reason that it didn't qualify for Best Foreign Film is because the main character, Victoria, is Spanish, and she's in Berlin uh, with a bunch of German-speaking um, Germans. So it, mutually, they spoke English for most of the film yeah. because they had that, that language in common. So because most of the film is in English, it was completely rejected for Best Foreign Film. Wow. Even though the, it is a foreign film, the director's foreign, the setting, yeah, you know, yeah. it's all got all the makings of a, of a Best Foreign Film, but it was completely snubbed. And I, for one... Um, I'm outraged. <laughs> we'll get on to the Academy. Yeah, I'm outraged. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, yeah, Birdman, 1917, both long takes, but they use some CGI magic. So, you know, you were saying about um, you like your, your chest being tight. Mm. I had that for 1917. Yeah. The entire, like, it was a very similar yeah. experience for me mm-hmm. watching Victoria and 1917. Yeah. It's, it's like... That end scene when he's running across the top of the, the trench is like, yeah. oh my god. That is good, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't 
I don't want I don't want to ruin any, I don't want to sort of pull people out of the world a bit. But have you noticed that he bumps into somebody when he's running along? Yeah, yeah. And the person just acts as if they've been shot, like they just stay down on the ground. <laughs> like they just, imagine if something goes if something goes slightly how you wouldn't expect it to as an extra and you know it's like a huge take film. Yeah. You you just have to go with it, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. That's a good scene though. I love it's fantastic. I love how um I know you said it, it made your chest tight and it was like you know, edge of your seat kind of film, but I love how it's um, it's just not that all the way th- through, you know? Like, the, yeah. when he uh, he jumps into the river to escape pe- someone shooting at him from, from God knows where, and then slowly he comes out of this ruined city mm-hmm. and the gunshots kind of fade out, and then you hear the sound of birds coming up into the mix, and then it's yeah. this river go, and it, that just, that'll stick with me forever, I think. Like, I absolutely love that part of the film. There was actually That's when, a, like, it looks yeah. like it's snowing with all the petals, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. Honestly, it's, it's like one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, I think, in the film. After so, the film was released, there was a petition for the young man who sung the a cappella song to all the soldiers. There was a petition for them to do a studio version of that and include it on the soundtrack, and the petition actually was successful, so now you can go on YouTube and watch that young actor sing the, oh, cool. the song. Yeah, and that's my favorite moment in the film when, yeah, um, when he gets out of the water and he just goes to sit down with the other soldiers just to catch his breath. Mm. Um, yeah. I'm I'm going to be a bit of a stick in the mud now, though, and say there's one thing <laughs> in the film that really ruined it for me. Benedict Cumberbatch. No, 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 that was fine. <laughs> <laughs> that was fine. Um, obviously, there are a lot of big names in it that only get like one or two lines, which you know, yeah. Is, yeah. It's fine. I can live with that. But no, it it was the intermission. The the right. the one obvious cut in the film in which you know he, when he gets knocked out. Yeah, completely yeah. took me out of the one shot feel. Yeah, I I I remember that being quite jarring at the time. It was actually, so yeah. yeah, and and. But I think is that not the point though? Because you're following him, aren't you? And then it's like Victoria. It's yeah. like you're following you. You are Victoria essentially, aren't you? But what it reminded me of is it, I'm not sure if anyone's ever played like a really good RPG game, like something like Skyrim. You go into the menu on Skyrim, and it asks you if you want to wait, like 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 you want your character to wait in this yeah. place. And yeah. it's like, oh, how how many hours do you want the character to wait? You know, like if you want to go and do a mission, but it says you can't start this mission until nightfall. So you go into yeah. the menu right. and you skip time. It's like oh, how many hours do you want to wait? And it's like, oh six hours, and then. Your yeah. hard drive loads the game, and then boom, it's nighttime. That's what it felt like. It felt like this, you know, huh? We kind of need it to be break. nighttime for the cinematography to look really nice because Roger Deakins really <laughs> wants it to be, you know, fire and orange and all of that stuff that Roger Deakins really loves. He really loves orange, if you haven't noticed. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And and yeah, it was just this kind of well, um, it, this is supposed to be real time, but we kind of need it to be nighttime now. So I guess we'll knock our main character out and put in a really jarring cut in this no cut long take film. Yeah, and it just really pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd I'd, I'd agree. That yeah. stops it from being like a, a perfect or near perfect. Yeah, but apart from that, everything is perfect. I I, I think it's an yeah. amazing film. Yeah. Um, it got nominated, didn't it? After Asia, I think did it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. I think it was very close to being. Best film. It won best film at everything else, like the BAFTAs yeah. and the SAGs and everything. Sorry, SGAs. Um, but it didn't get it at the Oscars because Parasite won. Oh, I've still not seen that. I need oh, class film. Really, really good. Yeah, I, I rewatched that last week actually. Yeah, yeah. good film. What a great film. Lots of hidden CGI in that as well that you don't notice. Right. Yeah. Like I see who's uh, really good at that is. Um... David Fincher. Yeah, he's very good at that. He's, yeah. It's insane. When you look at like some of the shots in um, Gone Girl or mm-hmm. something like that, and you're like, why CGI that? But then it, you, mm-hmm. when you're watching it, you're like, oh, it just doesn't see, it doesn't seem that yeah. way. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Birdman as well. Similar in execution to 1917. Although it really kind of, I think Birdman was very instrumental in putting the long take back on the map. A bit. Oh, that, that's the first yeah. film I remember watching and being mm-hmm. like, "Oh, this is a thing." Like, yeah. didn't it come out the actually... same year as Victoria, though? Um, so look, it might have done. Because then I, I kind of feel bad for Victoria, kind of slipping under the radar when you know, Birdman kind of took center stage with the long take. Like, when you know, when has Lebesgue not done like the best cinematography ever? Any film he's worked on is absolutely beautiful, though. 
Yeah, hundred percent. He's a really good uh, cinematographer, like one of the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like um, Children of Man. Like I, I rewatched that. Oh, um, children. Yeah, I watched a very good uh, YouTube video essay on how he shoot how, how Alfonso Cuarón shoots three different films at three different budgets. Oh, you sent me that. Yeah, yeah. That's so, a good video. Yeah, he yeah, watched yeah. Uh, one of his Mexican films, which had like a two million dollar budget, and then Children of Men, which had, uh, you know, like a 10 or something 20 whatever it was that's gravity uh, wasn't it and then gravity which had like a hundred million dollar budget <laughs> yeah uh, that was yeah. yeah a great video essay on that that when looking at some of the behind the scenes stuff for gravity that is sort of like mm-hmm. is insane as well the cg in that yeah, yeah uh, is... i think i think cg obviously gets a really bad reputation because everyone thinks that cg is bad but you only yeah. ever see bad cg Oh, I'm so yeah. glad! I'm so glad that you're with me on that because yeah. the whole debate, the whole debate around CG, just angers me every any time it comes up. Really, everyone, honest. everyone says, "Well, look at Christopher Nolan; he never uses CGI in his films." I'm like, "Well, wrong. He, he yeah. uses a lot of CG in his films, yeah. a yeah. heck of a lot. Like they had to create this whole new software." Uh, Kip Thorne. I mean, I, you know, I love Kip Thorne, guys. Harken back to uh, <laughs> podcast yeah. number one. But Kip Thorne had to, it, yeah. he had to write an entire new software for the CGI for the uh, visual artist because the computers couldn't render the black hole, the the, the physics of the black hole. So yeah. Christopher Nolan loves CG, especially when it's when it's needed. But I think it's just doing it well hmm. and like hiding it. Really, isn't it? It's like hiding it in plain sight. So yeah. Or if you, it can you serve your story, CG. or if it can if it can heighten uh, an image. Yeah, I think you know, like, uh, like in the new Joker film. Obviously, <laughs> that that's got some amazing production design, and it's yeah. very clearly like this late nineteen seventies dirty, grungy city. But most of the skyline in that film is all CGI. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say it's similar to editing as well. Like, mm. I mean, unless there's a great moment in editing, great editing you don't notice because it. Yeah, you know, the whole point of editing really is to just like. It's you know don't break the immersion in the film. Someone shouldn't know that this film's edited, really. But yeah, that's it. That. Yeah, you shouldn't some see people, the edit. Some people only notice bad editing, like they only know you know like they notice bad CGI. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Birdman, obviously, I think, even though you can argue it doesn't have any editing because it's all sort of hidden, that is a really good example yeah. of of it's well hidden editing, well hidden CGI. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, <laughs> going to be a stick in the mud and say that there's one thing in the film which ruins it for me. The last uh, scene. Yeah, the ending. So yeah. weird. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? <laughs> um, I love Edward I've, Norton. I've, in I've, it. Oh yeah, he's, he's great. Cool. He just he's just playing yeah. himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he is. Yeah. Well, Every time know. I watch the film, I'm like, I try and think about the ending, and I'm like, oh, there's some, probably some arty, like cool uh like mm-hmm. pretentious meaning to this but I, I, i'm just not getting it <laughs> i i'll 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 rise to the kind of pretension pretension bait and i'll say is it not just to do with like pride because i mean he literally shoots his own nose off mm. and is it, and you know a lot of this things about his own image you know after doing these superhero films he did and he's trying to do this new thing and it's you know there's a critic and a lot of it's about image and things, so I, I look at it as something to do with pride. I'm not exactly sure what it's saying, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, right. it's, it's, I think it's an optimistic ending. I'll say that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah definitely. I, I would um but as well. Sorry, do go on. I'll just say um, this isn't related to cinematography. It's a little bit of a, um, a sidestep, but the score of the film, as well as someone like as someone who plays drums, and I just mm-hmm. love percussion and everything to do with that. The score is just. I'll, I'll listen to it just on its own. It's just so yeah. good for this film. 2013 so and 14, you know, those two years were so amazing for film scores. Yeah. And so yeah. inventive because you had Whiplash, which really brought jazz back to a lot of people. And then you had Birdman, which had a really inventive percussion score. And then yeah. you also had Interstellar, Interstellar? which, you know, yeah, yeah that, that was the first sci fi to use an organ, which, you know, an organ is the staple of horror. Or yeah. you know a big yeah. uh, or opera you know oh. and then so yeah. to see it in a sci-fi was yeah so yeah the soundtrack to Burman is is great you can have it on while you're studying 
yeah yeah I'll, I'll just put it on when i'm doing another thing it's just mm -hmm. so good like i absolutely love it it's performances like we've already said about edward norton but it's just like there's so many good performances in that film like, yeah i'm really happy it, it, for it, it, michael it, keaton as well um yeah because obviously it's kind of meta his he's essentially still playing himself again like edward norton is because michael keaton was batman back in the 1980s yeah and then yeah. he kind of became a nobody uh, and then in a similar way to how his character is trying to do this piece of theater to get back into acting and, and to be relevant again, Michael Keaton did Birdman yeah. to get back into yeah. acting and be relevant yeah. again. And he went on to get nominated and now he's you know been in Spider-Man and he's going to be in Spider-Man again. And he, he did, uh, yeah. was he in Spotlight or something? Or Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Spotlight. Spotlight. Yeah, yeah. Really so good. I'm really happy for him. I think it's a great performance. Um, yeah. I just uh, you were saying about the years of release. So Birdman came out in 2014, mm -hmm. and Victoria was 2015. Okay, so pretty close. So it was before. Yeah. yeah. Not too yeah, bad. I mean, yeah. they might have been in production. We might have been in production at similar times, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So yeah. I haven't seen Thinking of Ending Things. I haven't got around to watching it yet. So you boys are gonna have to chat about that, and you can dock it from my pay. <laughs> thinking of any things was the other film that we had to watch this week as part of the festival uh, and then tomorrow's yeah. film is going to be arrival so let's wrap it up and talk about thinking of any things gents i would think this this fit like it's very um people either like get it or you just yeah, don't it's yeah it's divisive isn't <laughs> yeah, it? it's, like yeah. The, it's such a divisive film because i when as soon as i watched it i was like oh so it's oh it's life it's like saying what life is and like yeah, in a really yeah. deep and pretentious art way yeah. but like i know of some people have just been i didn't i didn't get anything from that film i don't know what it's saying about mm. anything but yeah i what did I, you think Clay? i love charlie kaufman when he's not directing his own writing i'll say that right because like you know being john markovich and eternal sunshine amazing films like absolutely amazing films but Anna-Melissa and this, I just, they just didn't do anything for me. Like, you know, there were parts of, um, there were parts of thinking of anything that I really liked. The performances were all incredible. Yeah. And, like, were, I couldn't fault any of the acting in it. Um, just that huge dance number near the end. I was just about to that, say about the dancing. That, that just did nothing for me. Ah, so I, I was like, I loved it. I was like, <laughs> where, where, I just, where's this going? And then it just burst out into song and like, yeah, on like, stage and no, I like the I like, I like the stage thing. I kind of I like that, but just the whole dance thing throughout the school, I just couldn't get into. <laughs> it's proper it weird. Just... It's one of those films where it's just you just have to go with it and yeah, hope you get something from it at the end. You're not selling this one to me, guys. It's worth a watch. It's worth they're a in, watch. Um, they're in the car for such a long time, and yeah. there's a part where. Um, I forget her character's name, but she's just she's she's basically just spouting a review for another film by a film critic, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, Charlie, Charlie Kaufman, you 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 can't just quote something in a film. Like, you can't just. I'm sorry, but that doesn't count as like having a deep message on something. You can't just take something someone else has said and put it in your film like that. I just, <laughs> I, you can't do that. That's cheating, as far as I'm concerned. There's a the whole thing, like because they quote uh, philosophy to each other and stuff like that, don't they? Yeah, and um, I, I I was at the car scenes. I didn't really enjoy, yeah, uh, yeah. like or everything else. I I got on board with, but when you just as you're saying, like quoting, I don't know, Descartes. It's like, well, if I wanted to do that, I'd just read the book, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or I'd, you know, I'd take a course in philosophy. Like, it's just yeah, it doesn't fit right in that it's, film. I don't think it's, it's funny you should say about um a book because obviously this was an adaptation. Yeah. I, um... I feel like the um, the premise made me want to read the book because I think I suspect that it's something that will work better in the medium of a book. Like it's one of those yeah. things where it's like, is this just a film because Charlie Kaufman liked the story and he liked the book, or is it because he thought that the film film as a medium could do something different with this source material? Because I'm not sure. Yeah, until I've read the book, but I just don't know why it had to be a film. If that makes I sense. think mm. if I'm not, I've not read the book, but again, I want to like you. Um, because I think in a book you can you can get thoughts across easier, can't you? Yeah, Whereas yeah, it's yeah. that sort of portrayal of a character's thoughts in a film yeah. is always like very very subjective. 
Yeah. Like, as you said, I just don't don't know if it works in this film particularly mm. well. I think I think I think I will give it another watch. Probably. Yeah. And yeah. I will give it. It's another one of those watch. that I will watch. Yeah. Yeah. I'll try and give it another okay. watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try. Well, thanks for everyone coming to listen to us ramble about films again. Um, <laughs> we're halfway through our festival now. We're actually having a really good time. Uh, I think yeah, it's been good. It's been really good. It's really good. nice to come and chat about films uh, because with how the world is right now, it's it's not a lot of opportunity to meet up and 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 be social. So this is a great way of doing it. Uh, so obviously, we hope you enjoyed this podcast, and we hope you'll join us next time. So Tomorrow's, yeah, the next one yeah. is the nineteenth of December, so yeah. Saturday. Bit of a bit That's of a stretch now between this yeah. one and the next, but next Saturday we hope you can all join us, and then. Obviously, the week after that, it's going to be Christmas and the festival will be wrapping up. So halfway. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank Obviously, you. don't forget to Cheers. follow us on all of our social media handles. Give us some support and uh, stay tuned. And you can you can follow along on our schedule and catch up on all the films that you need to watch and come back next week and we can talk about more. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank Cheers. You. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye bye.